rely on you and count on you and look to you and only you, no one else but you. You are the source of our lives. You are the originator of all good things and they all come from above, from our Father who never changes. We give you all the glory, all the honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Go ahead and be seated today. ready for some word today amen amen well uh, if you brought a Bible with you or have a Bible app on your phone um, go to Matthew 28 welcome again everybody if you're new with us we're glad you're here if you don't know who Matthew is he's a cool guy who wrote a book about Jesus we're gonna read one of his writings first Matthew 28, I'm teaching a series called In Control, In Control. If you have a, a church background, it's very possible that I mean the exact opposite of what, what you think I mean. When I say in control, I am not about to say God is in control and broad stroke all of life and existence with that phrase because it's not true. It's true in certain categories, it's not true in others. We want to have a good understanding of this so we know what we're, what we're supposed to do. Because if we think God's supposed to handle this and he says, no, you're supposed to handle that, we're at a standstill, right? And someone has to do something. So we learn what's our job, what's his job, what, what he's in charge of, what he gave us to be in charge of. And you have to think a little deeper than kindergarten, Everybody okay with that <laughs> here today? I know a lot of churches these days don't go anything deeper than kindergarten, but, um, you know, I'm not saying we're superior, but I believe the Lord wants us to here anyway. People do what he leads them to do. Uh, Matthew 28 is where we've been starting uh, uh, this series. Verse 18, and then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right. That's a very popular passage. Like I've said before, we've been reading it each week. Um, my emphasis is not the major emphasis, or at least how that's used most of the time, meaning the go ye aspect of it, the make disciples aspect. But in the middle of this is a great revelation about delegated authority. Jesus said, it's all been given to me, and so I'm sending you. In essence, he's saying, I'm giving you what I now have. The authority that's been given to me, I'm giving it to you. I'm authorizing you as my followers, as my disciples, as my church, to carry out certain activities or to do the will of God. You can't do what you're not authorized to do. 
And so he said, I am authorizing you to do this. And this is a, a, a truth, a revelation that has been missed by many people. And they feel like everything that happens in life is subject to God's control or God's will or God's working. And in reality, many things he has already turned over to the church. And if you are a part of the church, you understand when I say the church, we're not talking life church we're not talking about any individual local church. We are talking about the body of Christ, all those who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior. There's quite a few of us around the planet, and a bunch of us already in heaven. And, uh, but he has delegated these things to us. The belief that all things will automatically conform to the perfect will of God, independent of our choices, of our faith, of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit— is just incorrect. You have to throw away a large number of Bible verses to come to that conclusion. And so, again, our goal is not to just play with our pet verses or just read the ones that support our position. We want to be open and yielded to the full counsel of God and, and compare verses with verses, not verses with experience, <laughs> not just verses with previously held beliefs. But let the Scriptures answer for, the, for itself uh, what's true and what's correct. Um, but if we have sound biblical doctrine instead of something that's contrary to the general working of, uh, of the Lord, um, we'll be able to avoid a lot of confusion. Why is this happening? That kind of confusion. It'll enable us to avoid inaction. Okay? Many times we, we become passive for not knowing this truth. We're waiting on God and he's waiting on us. Okay. Or even it, it can eliminate a hardness of heart towards God where he's to blame. Why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? How come you're not helping here? And, uh, and, and if we understand the truth, when we're saying, why aren't you helping? He's saying, why aren't you doing something with what I give you? With what I gave you? Why aren't you acting on my word? I delegated this to you. So get up, get up out there and use it. Yeah, and so, uh, again, I don't want to have that standstill in my relationship with God, but he, he loves us so much, he's for us and not against us, but because God is for us, he gives us amazing gifts, great revelations so that we can overcome in life. Not because God is for us, he does it all for us. Not he removes our part of the equation. Not if he loved me, he would do it. No, 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 if he loved me, he would help me to see it. He would send people into my lives. He would send me to a good church. He would expose me to, to truth that would allow me to be free. It's a different mentality than just thinking no matter what I do, it doesn't really matter whether I pray or don't, whether I commit or don't, whether I yield myself to the Lord or not, whether I use the delegated authority or not, everything's going to work out to God's, according to God's plan. Not. We don't even need a Bible if that's true. Let's just throw it out and just let it, whatever will be, will be. Everybody okay? The word authorized is an interesting word. Uh, delegated authority or authorized. You look it up, it, 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 it means having official permission or approval. Official permission, approval. It means to be recognized or sanctioned. Uh, we could say words that are used are accredited or licensed, certified, official, lawful, legal. When someone is authorized by God, they have 
received this official credibility, this, this license to act in certain ways. We all understand licenses, right? Most of you have a license to drive a car, right? Some of you may have a license to ride a motorcycle on the street or to drive a bus or a license to drive a big rig, right? Or you may have licenses for other things like a hunting license or a fishing license or a flying license or what's some other licenses? A real estate license. Anybody else have any really cool license? Pilot. Yeah, yeah. Said that. Thanks anyway. <laughs> Flying. A, a scuba life license. Nursing license. I heard that. A marriage license. That's a pretty popular one. I didn't think of that. You might want to get one. Uh, Anyway, we understand. You have this license. You're authorized to do certain things. You're, you're legal. You're, you're approved. You, you have backing in what you do. You know, our Bible college is accredited. That means there's, a, there's an accreditation organization that says they're real. <laughs> they teach, you know, to a certain standard and so forth. You, you get approval. When we are said to be authorized by the Lord, then we have heaven's backing, he, he has given us a license. Who, what, are they, what allows you to do this? I have a license from God. And he told me I can use, I'm, I'm licensed. I'm authorized to cast out demons. I'm, I'm authorized to calm storms. I know that one needs probably more explanation, but I'm not going to give it right now. But I'm talking about the things that Jesus did with using the authority that he had, the authority of being the last Adam while he was walking on the earth. And, and so uh, we are enabled to, basically we're licensed to rule and reign in life. We, we're licensed to overcome. Um, this is what these things mean, praise God. Because I need to know what's my part and what's God's part. I can't do his part. Now watch, he can't do my part. What, see, well, he can't? Well, why can't he? He's all-powerful. I know, but he turned it over. He delegated it. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He knew when he gave it away that he was literally giving it away. He knew when he gave it to Adam, dominion over the earth, that if Adam gave it away to Satan, it would be a little bit of a chore to get that back. And that's Jesus on the cross and the great, great work of redemption. And when he authorized the church... Through his name, he really did authorize us, so now you're in charge of some things. And God will never override you. Well, I just want him to do it for me. He won't. He loves you and hates to see you suffer in any way. But he did turn some, some elements to life over to you. So the way to overcome is to learn how to swing a sword. Right? Sword, the word of God. Right? I need to learn how to wield this thing. I need to learn how to navigate in the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19 to his disciples, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So notice the language. I give you authority. I authorize you. Here's your license. You have a license to trample on serpents and scorpions. 
I'm authorizing you. So when you go out and these critters are trying to get you, you have been authorized by God himself to trample on them. What, 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 what does that mean? Well, in Acts, in the book of Acts, we see one day when, when they were building a fire on Malta, Paul was helping with the fire, and this viper, as it says, jumped out at him. Everyone thought and bit him. Everyone thought he's dead. It was a poisonous snake. He just shook it off in the fire. Why? He's been authorized. He has power over serpents and scorpions. Yeah. So you're saying we could do that? Listen, I'm not saying it. Jesus said this. this is, I never want to water down the word to match people's experience. I want, to, uh, I want to make my experience come up to the standard of God's word. Yeah. Say, well, that was written just to the disciples. It's way more written to us than them because that was before Jesus defeated the devil in his permanent defeat at the cross. When he, when he was raised from the dead, now he said, all authority has been given to me and I'm, I'm sending you. Yeah. So we have that plus over all the power of the enemy. I don't know how many of us really think this, that we, when we go out and do life and serve God and do his work, that the enemy can't touch us. Too many times we entertain the thought that he can. And it's dangerous and you never know what might happen to you. Something evil could happen to any of us at any time. Where did Jesus teach you that? You've been watching the news. Which I recommend you stop. Because they are 100% lying to you about a lot of things. But that's the same subject. So we've got to listen to the Lord. We want our experience to come up to his word, not our experience to go down to, to common experience. Amen. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience with uh, uh, wild animals and things, and I'm not going to try to do that. I don't go to the, the zoo and jump in the lion's cage or anything to prove that Jesus is powerful in me. <laughs> but I do remember, uh, I wasn't planning on telling this, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, I remember one time when Whitley was real young, uh, we had a house that had a shed in the back, backyard. And uh, she was needing to go out to the shed to, to get something. It's where the lawnmower and stuff were, you know, to get something. And, and she said, I can't. There's wasps everywhere around, the, around the, the shed. And I had, this was really actually very fresh on my mind at the time. I, so I just said to her, um, well, why don't you just go tell them to leave? She said, okay. She was young. So she didn't question everything like, Like so many grown-ups do. We don't have childlike faith. <laughs> she said, okay. She didn't even question it. And she went out there, and I'm watching through the window now. And, uh, and I just see her from the back. And, and she just stood there for a second and came right back. And she said, they're still there. And uh, I said, well, I said, well, stand your ground. You know, she didn't even wait for a second. I said, stand your ground. In fact, I, so I went out there with her. I said, let's just go out there. We'll just stand together. Watch, they're all leaving. I'm saying this out loud. But I say, watch, they're all leaving. And uh, within seconds, I don't know how many, not many, matter of seconds, they're all gone. Where are they? They're all gone. We didn't have any, you know, that spray or anything like that. Uh, they just all left. Why did they leave? I have no explanation except... We told him to leave. And apparently in God's kingdom, uh, 
he authorizes his people over things on the earth. Now, you might be skeptical in you. I don't know about that. I don't know if we can do that. Well, you probably shouldn't mess with it then. Because you'll get stung. (laughs) But I pray that you would meditate on these things until it becomes real in you. Okay, I'll try it. No, don't try it. Do it. If it's not real enough, get the spray, the wasp spray, or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying you're wrong for using the wasp spray, even if you know who you are in Christ. I'm just saying these things work when you know them. They don't work as a theory. The things of God are never that way. I've heard, I've taught before on different subjects of healing many times, actually. And one person came to me and said, because I think I was talking about, I was teaching about making a decision, a quality decision of faith. Faith is a choice. It's one of the things that it is. And so a lady came to me and said, so that's all I need to do? And I wanted to say, well, yes, but I knew in her voice she didn't get it. She just thought, oh, so I just basically do nothing. No, it's not do nothing. It's know that you have something. And out of that foundation, you speak. Out of that foundation, you make decisions that are in line with the word of God. It's just not a, not a passive activity. We need a true heart revelation for these truths to work. Let me show you that prayer over in Ephesians 1. Do you guys know about this prayer? Some of you do for sure. Uh, but in Ephesians 1, if you ever wonder what to pray... I don't know. We even know what to pray for. I run out of things to say. Pray this. Pray this until you're blue in the face. Do people actually get blue in the face? Uh, pray this until the blue is gone out of your face. <laughs> this is Paul. He had great revelation writing to the Christians in Ephesus. And he said to them in verse 15, Therefore I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is odd a little bit to me. Look, he said, after I heard, you believe in Jesus, and your heart is full of love for everybody. I started to pray for you. I'm thinking, wait a minute. They got faith. They got love. They don't really need prayer. It's the people that don't believe. It's the people that are selfish and that people are unforgiving. They're the ones that need prayer. But Paul recognized, even though they're doing well, even though they had faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints in their heart, they needed further revelation. Say, well, if they needed revelation, why didn't he just teach them? That the thing is, he did. This whole letter is kind of a deep book. It's, it's for mature people to grow. He was teaching them by writing this letter, but in the writing, he said, I'm praying that you get what I'm saying. It's like when Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Not you automatically get it just because you have ears. Talking about getting it inwardly. Yeah. I mean, no, you, can, you can come to a service like this and hear the exact same message as everyone else in the building. And at the same time, some will get it, and some will go home. It's not the same. It's not equally dispersed. You can't steal revelation knowledge, but you can believe for it. 
He said, I'm praying that you guys get this. I think it's a good approach for us. Many people do this before they read the word. They'll say, Lord, teach me this today. Make it come alive to me. We can do that with coming to church. You can get in faith about it and say, Lord, I'm going to church. I'm going to get something today. I'm going to hear from you, and I'm going to do something with what you, t- you show me. You've just set yourself up for an experience with God because he's always willing. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And if there will be a heart full of faith to receive these, these uh, amazing truths, it'll set us free. So how do I know if I, if I just, you know, if I really get it? Well, one thing you can, t- you, you'll, uh, you can identify this with is, is how excited you are about it. If it's like, oh, hum, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't have it. You might be saying, well, yeah, but I can quote the scriptures. But it's, it's mental to you. It's just a, you're just a library. You're, I mean, how many think the library is exciting? <laughs> it's just mental knowledge that you, that you have acquired. When it's real in you, you're going to act on it. You're like, oh, this is so good. You want to shout. You want to praise right in the middle of it. You want to say, let's start up the, let's get the, the worship team going again because glory to God, this is about to, this is going to change my life. Something is alive in you. Let's see what he prayed. He, he, he said, uh, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice, not just that I would teach you what I know, my head to your head. I'm praying that the, that the Father would give you this revelation spirit. Revealed means the curtains pulled back. <gasps> and you really see what's inside. I'm praying that he'd give you that revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Someone said, I already know about Jesus dying on the cross. I already know about him being raised from the dead. Do you? So did they. Otherwise, they wouldn't even be saved. They wouldn't have faith in Jesus and love for everyone else. He said, you need to know this more. You need personally the Father to open your eyes so you see this like you've never seen it before. Because when you do, your days of living a defeated life are absolutely over. The devil stands no chance because this truth will make you free. And he goes on to say, and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I know I'm reading fast. You go back and read it slow. He's basically praying what I'm teaching. And he didn't get it from me. I got it from him. But his prayer is in essence telling you about who's in control. His prayer is in essence helping them and us to see where we are positionally in Christ. We are not defeated or under the the devil or under the enemy. We are raised with Jesus, seated with him. The devil's under our feet and we now can rule and reign in this life. It's amazing, that's like right there. And it's been there like forever. And how many people, how many Christians today, we live defeated, li- defeated lives unnecessarily because Jesus defeated the devil and everything that goes, comes against you. 
So what's the answer? We've got to know it. And out of our knowing, out of that revelation, we speak, we act, we take a stand. Through this prayer, we can know how to deal with very specific situations in our lives. The Lord opens our eyes. That's what I'm supposed to do. And we speak out of that. Okay? Uh, The devil seeks to manipulate minds. He's defeated, so he wants to twist our thinking. Get us to believe something just off a little bit or off a lot of it. Yeah? And, and I want you to, know, to remember how tricky he is. Okay? Even with Jesus himself. You remember Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. The devil would come at him and tell him, turn this stone into bread and so forth. Worship me. All, all this stuff. And, and, and Jesus would answer him with scripture. It is written. So the devil said, I can play that game too. I see what you're going to do. You're going to defeat me with scriptures. So what did Satan do? He brought up other scriptures. He would twist the, the scripture. He would take things out of their setting. And he said, well, the Bible also, it is also written this, you know, that the angels will bear you up lest you cast your, dash your foot against the stone. It's also written. Does he ever do that with us? Absolutely. When something is biblical and plain and, and so clear, it will, it will change our life and set us free. The enemy will try to bring a what if up. Yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about this? And it's things I've taught before. What about Job? What about Paul's thorn? What, and, and I have teaching on all that. You can listen to it if any of that trips you up. It's the devil trying to twist the scripture to keep you in bondage. What about last week, and we taught about Romans 9. What about Romans 9? You know, maybe I'm a vessel of dishonor. Maybe I'm a vessel of created for destruction. All this kind of stuff, which is just twisting of Scripture to do away with the plain and the simple and the, the clear. A revelation of God's Word makes all that go away. And now, I mean, have you ever had something said? It was just so confusing that someone said something so very simple and clear And now all of a sudden, just like that, you thought, that's amazing how easy that is. That's amazing how simple that is. I've made that so complex. Someone said, well, when when do we know what to, when do we speak against something? And when do we ask the Father for something? When do we pray to Him? Well, if you want something, if you want Him to do something or give something to you, ask. If there's something in your life you want to leave, speak to it. Not complex. That's how we operate in this delegated authority. If I need something to leave, I don't ask the Father to make it leave. I stand in his place and say, get! Go to Acts 22, would you, with me? Acts chapter 22. Just have a few minutes, let me share this with you. Something happened to Paul, I think, that illustrates what we should do in the kingdom of God. Paul was preaching in Jerusalem. He went there to preach because he so loved his uh, fellow countrymen. He wanted them to hear the gospel. They weren't open to it. He got to speak to them for a little, a little bit. And then as soon as he told them, the Lord told me to go to the Gentiles, they started acting like two-year-olds. 
They started tearing their clothes and kicking dust up in the air. And it just turned into a riot just like that because of something that Paul said. I mean, if something sets you off like that, you go berserk because of something someone else said, you might have the issue. (laughs) Anyway, so they want to tear them apart. And what happened, let's jump over here, Acts 22, 24. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging. How many know that's not friendly examination? That's not a few tough questions. Scourging means they're putting whips together, right? We're going to exam- We're going to ask you questions as we lay open the skin on your back, so that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, now, now, now. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I see that word thongs, and yeah. You know those flippers that people wear? Yeah. See, when I was a kid, we called those beach walks. And people, they call them. But when I came to Idaho a long time ago now, they called those thongs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now thongs turn into something else. This is none of those. This is the whips. Okay. (laughs) As they bound him with thongs, so they're tying him up. So he's in some way probably tied to a post or something like that. He's at the whipping post. They're getting their whips ready to to thrash him. So he's standing there about to take a beating, and he speaks up. How many know that's a good time to speak up if you have something to say? A lot of Christians don't do this, by the way. They don't speak up. They they take the beating. The enemy's thrashing them upside down, one side down the other. And, And they never speak up. They just say, Father, why are you letting this happen to me? Why is, why is this happening? Your will be done. Whack! And it's not the will of the Father at all. It's far from his will, but they're getting beaten to a pulp. They're at the spiritual whipping post, taking the beating that Jesus took on their behalf. Jesus took that beating so you wouldn't have to take it. But yet they're taking it again. He, uh, he said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman uncondemned? Is this okay? Is this legal what you're about to do to me? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, take care of what you do for this man is a a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? He said, yes. (laughs) And Paul answered with a large, uh, the commander answered with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. He bought his way in. And Paul said, I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him, and the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman because he had bound him. Now, they have these natural laws. Paul had had citizen perks, and he had to go to, these things had to be proven against him. They couldn't just beat him to a pulp and then, and then you know, without a trial, that kind of stuff. Just similarly to what we have in, in, in our country. Uh, uh, but just like he had rights as a Roman citizen, we have rights as children of God. There are things that are illegal spiritually because of what Jesus did for us. Yeah, the beating... The punishment, the whipping, if you will, is for the unrighteous, for the guilty, for the condemned. But that's not who we are in Christ. 
Yet people are taking a beating all day long in their lives, in their finances, in their health, in their emotions, in their relationships. They're taking a beating. The enemy is just laying into them in different ways. And they say, I don't know why this is happening. What, what's going on? What did I do to deserve this? Well, plenty. But, uh, <laughs> but we don't approach God based on what we deserve. No, we, based on the blood of Jesus is how we approach him. Why is the Lord, Lord, your will be done. I guess I just don't see the big picture. Stop it. Stop it with that religious baloney. You just, you don't see the big picture. Jesus died so you would be authorized to speak up. Remember when the scripture said Jesus was as a lamb before his shears silent? Jesus didn't speak up when he's, when he's being accused. He's being laid into. He's just not saying a word. Why did he not say a word? So that you could say a word. So that we on the other side of this would not just take a beating. I don't know why this is happening. So we would say, uh, excuse me, Mr. Centurion, Mr. Demon, Prince of the Power of the Air. Is this legal? Because I say absolutely it's not legal. And you take your hand off me in Jesus' name. And you get your, get your paws out of my finances. And you get them off of my children. And you get them out of my body. This is not lawful for you to do this. I'm redeemed of the Lord. The blood of Jesus has purchased me. Has given me redemption and victory over you. You're not allowed to just pummel my life. What happens if I don't know I can say that and I need to say that? Then I just take the beating. And the Father is saddened in heaven as the ones for whom Jesus died are suffering needlessly. He loves us and wants to help us. And again, you could go religious on me and say, well, then he should just step in and stop it. That's not how it works. And he's not going to change his whole kingdom to accommodate my lack of knowledge. He sends teachers. He sends his word. He sends friends and people so that our revelation of truth comes up. And we pray and we seek him. And at the end, we stand confidently in his name, boldly with our head held high. And we walk in the authority that Jesus delegated to us, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to see God move. Listen, when we exercise this authority, God moves. He's the one backing us up. He's the one ultimately making it happen. But we are an integral part of this process. He is the head and we are the body. And he doesn't move without his body. Do you move without your body? Does your head go places without your body? No. You work in connection, in conjunction. This is how the kingdom of God works. That's not just about saying the exact thing. I've got to get this formula down. Tell me again exactly what I should say. It's about having the revelation of who you are in Christ, what Jesus did for you, and how you've been seated with him. When you know your position, the enemy's under your feet. It's not about an exact formula. This is not magic. This is a relationship with him. And we speak from that position. And things change. Say, Jesus won the victory. He certainly did. But you won the victory in him. Remember, everything Jesus did, he credited to our account. He suffered and you read the scriptures, and it's like, well, it's like we suffered. Listen to these. I'll finish with this. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said that I have been crucified with Christ. Well, wait a minute. No, you haven't. It was Jesus, and there was those two criminals. Where was Paul? 
He wasn't there crucified with Christ. Yes, he was. And so are you. And so was I. Let's put this in first person. Everybody read this out loud with me together, the whole verse. Ready? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in, lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hey, you already died. Now it's time to live. You already suffered. Now it's time to be resurrected. Colossians 2.12 reads, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You know you were buried, and you were raised, and now you live with him. Ephesians 2 4 through 6, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus was raised from the dead. And so were you. So were we. We suffered with him, we died with him, we were raised up with him. And now the devil can't touch us. As long as we know this, he'll still string you up to the whipping post if he can. And just lay into you like, and he'll tell you the whole time, you deserve this, you are guilty. And, and the fool will say, yeah, I am. I deserve what's, everything that's happening to me. Stop it, Jesus paid the price. You were crucified with him. Now stand up and say, ah, 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 ah. is this legal? You allowed to do this? And say, no, this is illegal activity against a child of God. And I will no longer permit it. You have to say it. You have to say it. You have to take action yourself. Not, not just everybody pray for me. There's a time for prayer for one another. Don't get me wrong. But this is not it. When you're getting, when you're getting slammed, it's time for you. To know who you are, how much he loves you, what he has done in you. And you speak up and say, this ends today. Take your hands off my kids. Get out of my marriage. Get, you get out of this area. Of my, no, it's not going to happen any longer. Your family's, you know, your grandpa had a heart attack. Your dad had a heart attack. And now you have heart problems. Why don't you, why don't you put a stop to that? Why don't you say, that ends right here. Because of what Jesus did, I'm stopping that chain, that trend, that curse in my family line. I say it stops today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can do that. You've been authorized. You've been authorized <laughs> to stand in his place. Amen. I'm out of time. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not done yet. We'll come back next week. But let's look to the Lord right now. Father, thank you for working in us now. Thank you for the abundance of your grace. Oh, Shalabedek, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship and adore you.